We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 97 of the pod inches closer there. to the century mark. Uh, before we even dive into this thing, mailbag questions, send them your way. We have some awesome ones on the way, food-related, sports-related, fashion-related, anything. We're going to cover it in episode 100. It's going to be your guys' episode, the listeners, because we appreciate you guys. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Moose and Runes podcast. But let's dive into this one, Matt. we got some sports news coming down today on a Tuesday morning. Uh, Mike Trout backing up the Brinks truck. It's March Madness time. Pat O'Donnell staying in Chicago, back in Chicago. Uh, some other stuff, but uh, let's let's jump into it off the top with uh, with this Trouty news. Well, that, what do you make what I, of? Uh, I wanted to ask what do you, you make of this big contract? Woke up and saw this. You know the the news. First off, this is the most Mike Trout way to do this like ever. It's you know yeah. two years before he's free agency. It's hey, ten thirty hey, on a Tuesday what? in you know late March. <laughs> Hey guys, I just you know Bryce signed just that thirteen for three thirty. That was cute. Into here's a vacuum. 12, here's twelve for four thirty. Oh, um, but my first original thought, and I, you know, I think we actually might be able to pull this off with some with some effort and some some elbow mm-hmm. grease here. We should take Moose and we should expand Moose and Runes to not only a podcast but a sports agency. Okay, because that guy, I forgot the name of his agent, but Mike Trout's literally his only client, and he just made forty three million dollars this morning. Yeah, assuming that he gets the standard 10%. I, th- I feel like there's a lot of money in sports agents, you know, being sports agents. You're a good argue. We're clearly both good at arguing. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, that, that's pretty much all contract negotiations are. You're pretty smart. I know sports yep. too. I'm not that smart though. But we could figure it out. I think we got I think, this. I, we just need to, as this guy, I forgot, again, I forgot the name of the agent, but as he's shown, you just need one. We just got to yeah. find one. We got to get in early, get it, it on the it, ground it, floor. We're set. If, if this is any indication, you know, it's not about talent. It's not about having talent. It's about representing there talent. There you go. It, it's you about go. Um, those who can't do represent. Teach. Oh, okay. That's, well, that's that, I know. Saying, I was but, tweaking it, John. Um, but uh, I think there's some, some interesting things to break down within the numbers here. As you said, $430 million over 12 years. Good for him. That's a uh, 30% markup than the $330 deal Bryce Harper just signed. Uh, so thoughts and prayers, Bryce Harper. You're not uh, not the richest guy you in the know, anymore. You know Bryce Harper and Scott Boras. As, as happy as they are for the money, like, obviously 330 is insane money, but like you know there's a part of Bryce Harper this morning that's kind of pissed. Well, the biggest part like of Bryce Harper's piss is the one me. that is the one that says that Mike Trout isn't going to be his teammate in two years. He really yeah. was going to go an all-out blitz. He on, already on, started on getting tampering. Mike Trout. Yeah, it was and one of the first said, things he said. Yeah, take some of my money. Who cares? But thirty uh, percent bigger than Trout's deal, and he becomes the highest-paid athlete in the world. Uh, surpassing Canelo Alvarez's deal with uh, that boxing company. I don't know how to even say it. D-A-Z-N. Uh, but, uh, but he surpassed him by $65 million. So Mike Trout, now the biggest bag on the block. Obviously, if that's the going rate, he's worth every penny. But can you even wrap your head around that number, Matt? No, I mean, it's it's an insane. It's 27. It's it's just an insane amount of money, and like I, I've I've been in the camp of I think Kyler should go play football, but I also saw like somebody tweeted out this morning like live look at Kyler Murray at the Ace facility, and it was like a mm-hmm. gif of a of a short guy like trying to jump a fence. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but like it, it's just it shows like man like 
if you can, if you can get it, like go play baseball because they're going to pay you a lot of money. Obviously, Kyler Murray or you know quarterbacks might be the one exception to the rule, but even then, like if you're really good at baseball, you're going to get paid a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't get like, go- the whole like people are like saying you know Mike Trout's going to be irrelevant and all that stuff. They're acting like the Angels are like the Pittsburgh Pirates here. We're not too far removed from like the Angels being a perennial playoff team, and they still yeah. have you know a guy like Mike Trout. They still have uh, Otani who had a really good first year. Like. They're not that irrelevant of a team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go bad on this for a second. And on his say part just, of the Angels. On just the fan aspect. Um, this is the greatest baseball player that we've seen in our lifetime. Uh, and yeah. I'm, never one, I'm never one to separate the steroid era from the current era. You could make the Bonds argument. You could make a couple other arguments. But in my eyes, the most complete – multi-tooled player that we've seen in our lifetimes the numbers commensurate to mickey mantle to some of the Mm all-time greats he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer he's going to go down as one of the greatest hopefully he gets a ring or two between now and the end of his career but this is bad for baseball and i'm not talking about the size of the contract i'm talking about keeping mike trout in a market where it's hard to garner national attention a lot of what Mike Trout's doing is happening in the middle of the night for people on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. We've had this conversation on this podcast before that um, I think it was when we were surrounding uh, Manfred's comments about his marketability. Well, you know, his marketability is one thing. It's not his job. It's the league's job to market him. But it's really hard for the league to market him when at least 81 of 162 games are happening in the dead of night. I mean, I agree with you, but at the same time, like that's his call. I mean, that's what Mike Trout wants. Totally, it's not impossible to market yourself on the West Coast. I mean, like the Dodgers. I mean, granted, they do have the Dodger brand, but like the Dodgers mm-hmm. market themselves just fine. Like we were just talking about the Angels back, you know, ten years ago were a perennial playoff team, and Mike Sosha was one of the most well-known managers in Major League Baseball. Like mm-hmm. they had no problem marketing if you want to be marketed, but like. This, like we said, this contract, the way he announced it when he did it, that's just what Mike Trout wants. I don't think he wants to be, you know, baseball's face and all that, and be the guy under, you know, under the biggest spotlight and all that. Yeah, well, it might not be great for baseball. That's kind of too bad, I guess. And they they still have all these marketable stars. I mean, Bryce Harper, as much as he's not getting paid, I mean, for what you have in Mike Trout over on the left, you know, you still have Bryce Harper out on the East Coast who's going to be in prime time. You're Mr. Everything now playing in Philly. Like, you still have all those guys out, out East doing that. But I, I, I see your point. It's not necessarily great for baseball that their biggest star, their best player, I don't know if you call him their biggest star because, like you said, he half his games are, you know, when everybody's sleeping out of the West, but their best player doesn't really seem to want to be in the spotlight. Yeah, and I wasn't even bringing it up from, like, a league, like, benefit of the league standpoint. I I guess Mm -hmm. I was somewhere between benefit of the league and benefit of Mike Trout because we deserve to see more of Mike Trout. And I'll see a ton of them because I'm out here on the West Coast now. But um, the baseball fan and the game needs Mike Trout. Um, it, it it's in a place right now where it's losing eyes year over. You know, and, you know, what could fix that and help that. And I, I, I think this day is games? where not oh, day games, obviously up day games are always fun. Um, this goes back to this being totally baseball's fault in my opinion, or at least mostly their fault. Their uh-huh. social media policy. They're the yeah. ones who don't let anybody share their content, use their content. They're the only ones who are allowed to post it. If we had, people out west if we had fans if we had websites we had reporters completely who could share mike trout's home run who could tweet about mike trout's home you know mike trout's a large home part video. of the proliferation you know of the people, nba 
Yeah, you know, I'm like, social media has created stars. I mean, social media, it, it, it creates superstars every year. It, yeah. That's how you would get Mike Trout, whether he wanted to be or not, at Perfect least get example. his on-field um, accomplishments more well-known. But Major League Baseball, for some reason, thinks that they should they, they don't want to expand their game. They're more worried about, you know, we should take strategy out of the game and lose, you know, make pitchers face three hitters instead of, you know, just opening up our social media policy. Perfect example. Who is – draw a parallel for me here, and this is going to be really obscure. But sure. Who is the Patrick Beverly of the MLB, a middle-tier player who plays really hard? You'd be hard-pressed to even name somebody. But yeah. go Chicago with it. Give me a name or something. Um, well, that's – I mean, I, I, there's no real Cub because every Cub kind of gets promoted uh, pretty, pretty highly. Um, Patrick Beverly. My I'll point look, being – Tim Anderson. My, let's go with that. Sure, perfect. he plays hard. My point being – Patrick Beverly takes over the internet once every three weeks with yeah. like a great defensive performance or bothering LeBron. LeBron those whatever. things are only able to be so pervasive and so readily available because, like you're saying, of those social media policies, mm-hmm. the ability to share, the ability to retweet, the ability to create conversation because that is where the conversation exists. There is no forum in the major leagues for the conversation to exist. Now, I was in a press box – Last weekend at spring training with a couple stodgy baseball writers of America that, uh, by all means, are some of the most talented wordsmiths still in the world. But they, there needs to be an evolution where those people can drive the conversation in different ways than a thousand-word, fifteen hundred-word column that pops up the next morning or that night because mm-hmm. no one's reading. No one's reading recap. the whole thing. No one's reading your game recap at 2 in the morning after Mike Trout just went 4 for 5 with two home runs and six RBIs. And I mean, you know, with, with all due respect, like you said, with the instant gratification we have on social media from guys, you know, even like clips with guys like Patrick Beverly or, you know, Zach Levine, whatever, like guys who are not superstars, I don't want to read your column about what Mike Trout just did. Like, as, as much yeah. as you might be able to say this and write Show this me, in, don't such a, in such a great way, I don't. In today's social media world, I don't have time to read 1,500 words to see that he went 4 for 5. Show me his home runs. I want to see how far the second home run went. Show me that you know running catch he made in the uh, in, in the left center gap, whatever. Like, show me that ground. Yeah. I, I don't have – like no offense. And, again, these guys are great writers. And for like you know columns and all that stuff, sure, I, 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 I still read that type of thing. But I'm not going to read your long game recap when I can just catch a quick highlight or, or see what happened on Twitter. Um, just to, you know, double back here, Mike Trout, uh, is a, just an absolute star should be the face of the league. AL rookie of the year in his rookie season, second in MVP voting for the first two seasons of his career, won the award in 14 and 16, finished second again last year. Uh, it was arguably his best season hitting 312 OBP 460 slugging 628 with 39 home runs and 79 RBIs in 140 games. Like, just, he's pulled, an absolute machine. I pulled up his baseball reference. I didn't realize this until now. He's never finished lower than fourth in AL MVP voting, and that just happened one time every single year other than that, which is 2017, when he only played 114 games. He's finished in the top two in AL MVP voting. A part of me would have loved to see him somewhere else, but you made the point earlier that the way he announced it, the team that he's on, the market that he's in, it is all undeniably Mike Trout. 
And the White Sox drafted Jared Mitchell instead of Mike Trout. Never forget yeah, that. What are you going to do? Never forget um, that. Just to put a bow on this Trout conversation here, looking at his career earnings uh, at the end of this contract with all the money collected, not counting bonuses or endorsements, Mike Trout will be $11 million over the half a billion mark. He will have made five hundred. Eleven million dollars and some change. Yeah, but he lives in California, so like, yeah, taxes, cut that uh, cost of living. Right? You know, he's he's a regular uh, he's a regular blue collar Joe. Schmitt. Yeah, I'll take my salary in in Chicago. Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, Matt. What do you say we bounce over to the hardwood? Talk a little hoops here. You're gonna have to drive this conversation because, as I said, without locked in, I've been on the uh, NBA season. Couldn't tell you much outside of the top four seeds in March Madness. Who, who's who's you know, the upset? Who's the person to keep an eye on? I hear Buffalo is a hot is a hot. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, people mm-hmm. have talked about Buffalo. I know they're in the top 25 and all that this year. I, mm-hmm. I, I have not watched a second of Buffalo basketball. Um, clear, from, from from what I've heard, quite honestly, like the top seed, like this this is supposed to be a very chalk type bracket there, mm. there, there are i mean they, they're from you know I, I think i was listening to jay billis yesterday uh uh-huh. I've, I've listened to a lot of people seen some, some predictions all that stuff well like there are some first round matchups people are predicting but for the most part everybody's pretty much got you know top two seeds in each bracket you know you got duke and virginia um tennessee michigan state of the one twos there kentucky or carolina kentucky or one and two gonzaga michigan like those are the teams that are most likely all going to uh, make that run, probably be in the Final Four. The one team I've heard a bunch of people talk about who I haven't seen a ton of this year was Florida State, who mm-hmm. uh, just made that run to the ACC championship game. They're, uh, I, I forgot what I was just about to say. They're a very long team. They're, they're very big. They've got length. They can get teams problems on the boards, and they can hit some jumpers. They beat Virginia in the ACC tournament. They gave Duke a pretty good game. So that's a name I've heard if you want like a somewhat of a dark horse as a four seed. Um, yeah, I don't really, uh, Kansas got a four, uh, people are pretty up in arms that Carolina, if Carolina and Kansas both win their games and get to the sweet 16 and number one seeded Carolina will have to play Kansas in Kansas city, which is not the greatest draw for your number three overall seed. Um, I don't know, man. That's I, I I'm not a, uh, I'm not a huge bracketologist. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of more of the casual fan that tunes into the Are top you games. filling out a bracket? Of course I'm going to fill out a bracket. I do it every okay. year. I've agreed to be a part of way too many NCAA pools like I do every year. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, that's that's what I got for you. I mean, watch right. out for Duke. They're going to be fun to watch. It's going to be Zion's tournament most likely. Uh, if you, if you want to make a smart bet, that's probably the one to do it. I was You kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Um, this seems like a very... Uh, a season that that sets up perfectly, or a tournament that sets up perfectly for the question: Duke or the field? Um, if you were if you were given Duke or the field, uh, what direction do you, do you take that? Man, I mean, as a North Carolina fan, I'm gonna have to take the field. If I if I was betting with my my brain, I'd probably take Duke, but with my heart, I'm going to take the field. Um, I get here. Here's my bold take, hot prediction, and this is gonna be a real bold take because I'm gonna take two number ones here for the first time ever. We're going to see a Duke Carolina national championship game. That is my wow. bold prediction, hot take. I got two number ones in the finals, Joe. I like that. And Carolina like, comes out victorious. I like the uh, I like the the proposition of that going down because those have been the most entertaining games. Did of you this Did you watch the last one? I did. Um, that was. was that's one of the best college basketball games I've seen in 
really quite some time. There were a couple professional runs there. Like I, I was, it really we were, was. I mean, we were having some beers, eating some tacos on a patio in uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, you're in Arizona. Yeah, and uh, looked up at the TV. Duke's down. I think they were down fourteen, something like that. Thirteen. Carolina jumped um, out to that big lead. Yeah, Duke stormed yeah, back. Yeah, two bites of my tacos. Looked up, and then Duke was up one. And uh, they're just they just have that ability to, um, you know, any guy can get it on that roster and I get, uh, do it. Been, do it in a pretty quick fashion, fashion. It's been somewhat. I mean, obviously Duke is the favorite because Zion's back. But I, I think if you're I necessarily, I don't want to say disappointed as a Duke fan because you're still the favorite, but. R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, like, I have a hard time believing. Top 10 picks. Yeah, like, I mean, they're going to be top 10 picks because the draft is so weak this year. But, like, R.J. Barrett, before this college season started, everybody had him as the number one pick over Zion. Like, this guy's probably still the best player in the country. And then Zion goes down, and he leads Duke to a 3-3 and record against not the greatest schedule I got. I'm a little bit underwhelmed by what we've seen from from those two guys. Obviously, Zion has more than made up for it because – I think it is two games or three games back. He dropped like close to ninety points, but yeah. Well, in his first game against Syracuse, Joe, he didn't miss a bucket. You think he had yeah. 13 30, 13, 31 like points, thirteen of thirteen, and like fourteen rebounds, something like that? It's, I, it's I'm, insane. I'm super excited to see how everything translates, and I'm I'm not one of the people who's in the it's not going to translate conversation to the next level. Oh, it's going to translate. I mean, a guy of that talent, I think you put him anywhere. It's just something that we like. A, a style of play we really haven't seen um, recently, and mm-hmm. it, it isn't uh, it isn't in line with what the NBA is doing today. But at the same time, uh, not to localize it to Sacramento, you're watching two bigs really play off of each other, and yeah. Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley, and there's some other bigs across the league that have these. Um, super developed skill sets where they're comfortable 15, 20 feet away from the basket, dribbling, shooting, and passing. I think Zion Williamson fits, fits right into that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where the game's going. These, like, if you're going to be a big, if you're going to be effective, big in the league for the most part, uh, you have to be able to step out to 20, 25 and hit that jumper. And with the exception of apparently Robin Lopez now, who's become like the best center in the NBA for some (laughs) reason is killing the tank. um, That's kind of where this league's going. Absolutely. Before uh, we move, like, before we move on, I do want to ask you. Give give me a scroll. Do you got a bracket open in front of you? Why? Right in front of me. I want you. I, I know you haven't watched a ton, but I mm-hmm. want you to pick out. Give me a first round upset. Give me something you like. Yeah. Uh, give me. Give me. Give me a. Give me a double digit seed that you like. You know, shocking the world here in the first round. Well, obviously, you go right to the five twelve. Um, and the one that jumped out to me in the West region yep. was uh, Murray State over Marquette. Um, they got Ja. Yeah, they got Ja. They've had some press around them. They kind of feel a little bit like the darling. Uh, Marquette, historically underwhelming in the tournament. I think there's your 5-12 right there, Murray State over Marquette. Um, and it, it pains me to say that because I do pull for the Golden Eagles. Um, Marquette had a great with, start with to the year. The they had a yeah. great start to the year, but I mean, I haven't paid too much attention to the Big East, but I, I feel like I read stuff about them kind of limping down the stretch a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you two to look out for. First, uh, Matt Lenardi, 12, 12 Oregon, uh, and five seed Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin always plays pretty well come tournament time, but I just, I don't buy this year's team as much. And Oregon played really well down the stretch, won the pack. Traveling West to, get them, to San Jose. Got themselves in. Tough. Why don't you check that one out, Wisconsin. Joe? Okay. Um, and then this is one I, I'm not going to lie. This isn't mine. I, I've heard this from a few places around the radio, but I wanted to, to express. I also wanted to cover myself if it doesn't hit and LSU wins by a bunch. 
Um, 14 Yale over number three LSU. Yale apparently has uh, all five starters averaging double-digit points. They're a little bit older, more experienced teams who when you see those dark horses, not those Cinderella's in the tournament, those are the types of teams that usually make those runs, the older, experienced ones that have been there. So that's one I also want you to take a look out for. I think I'm going to take them in that game as well. Yeah, they really know how to share the ball. 11.40 a.m. March 21st on True TV. All the action starts today. The first four, Belmont versus Temple. And a first four matchup today, as well as uh, who was the other play? It's like NC. Uh, it's North Carolina. Fairly, Fairly Dickinson. Fairly, that that team plays Duke. So Fairly Dickinson and Prairie View A and M. So that's Canton oh, wait, as well. Oh wait, there's four, there, four plans. That's right. Yeah, four plans. Right. Two tomorrow, two today. So enjoy your tournament action. Uh, bet wisely Ooh. or don't bet at all. You know what's going to be a fun one to watch too. This is huh. com- completely the committee trolling. Number seven seed Louisville and ten seed Minnesota. Do you know who the number ten seed Minnesota's head coach is? Is it a Patino? It is no. a Patino. It's a Patino, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's Richard Patino, <laughs> Rick's okay. son. His yeah. father is currently suing Louisville. Fantastic. So, so yeah, storylines like abound. Yeah, that wasn't uh, <laughs> the, the committee. Totally couldn't re- couldn't have you know put those two teams anywhere else that was you know it had to be number 10 louisville or number 10 seven louisville and 10 minutes so there's no other way around it there wasn't a way they could find find a way out of that one love that so the patinos get another shot um matt knows revenge let's let's keep this thing rolling to you know hot topics we only hit hot topics here topics only on uh, on the moose and runes podcast so let's talk punters okay pat o'donnell locked in Bears punter for two. Did you send two years? Two, two whole years, Joe. Four okay. million dollars. Wow. Back up the Brinks. Not wow. exactly trout money, but uh, we got our guy. I think you know Pat O'Donnell has been historically average yeah. um, when when it comes to his uh, his performance, but he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. There were those. I mean, early in his career, all he was he was punting eleven times a game. Um, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. good. Um, I, I mean, there was the one we, – we can't forget what happened in the divisional round. That was a bad punt. That was um, – yes. It, that was having a bad punt. said that, that wasn't the reason they lost the game. If they, if no, but that, was, If you want to add that to the – this is – you know, there were five or six reasons they lost the game. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it was one in of the them. It led to a short field. That led to a, a defense unable to get a stop. That led to gonna, we, you a missed just, field goal. But it was – um, you know, stop. everybody's got to make their play, Pat O'Donnell included. But he is a bear nonetheless. And for for punting analysis, uh, there's no other place to turn than one Pat McAfee who's taken the media world by storm mm-hmm. uh, over these last, I'd say, 15 to 20 months. Uh, he's just a great listen on his podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was breaking down free agent punters uh, a couple weeks back. And Love he that. said he, he really likes what Pat O'Donnell has done this offseason in terms of accuracy. He's never going to be the biggest leg in the league, but he thinks that he's going to come out and have a really accurate season. So okay, that's, all the, that. that's all the inside information I have on Pat O'Donnell. You know, with, 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 um, with, with, the, with this offense and this defense, he's not going to need a ton of booming punts. We're just going to need him to pin yeah. people deep because I don't think Mitch is going to be stopped short of the 50 much this year. So you know, if, if there's that chance we don't score a touchdown or in field goal range, we'll probably already be around the 50. We just need Pat to pin him deep. Yeah, not uh, not the biggest free agent news of the week, uh, but there were a couple signings that did make headlines. Uh, and Tannehill, never forget Joe Pat O'Donnell bench rep two twenty five twenty three times at the combine. Yeah, so let's never sexy. Let's never that going forget for him. that. Let's get that going for him. Chesty, he's a chesty kid. I like. Uh, 
some other moves. Ryan Tannehill heading to Tennessee in return for it was nothing. What a third to fifth or something like that. Um, yeah, I, honestly, was, I didn't even see the return. It wasn't even that much, but yeah. that spells the end of, of Mariota there in Tennessee, which is uh, I guess, but I don't think so. I, I think that so, they're going to leave it open to a quarterback controversy there, or a quarterback battle through camp, and I do think that. Mariota is still the better quarterback between those two guys. Um, it's kind of I'd agree, uh, but he pick your poison. But uh, so, I don't think that this is Tannehill's job the second he walks into the facility. Is this just insurance for when Mariota gets hurt? Because it's it, with him the way he his career's gone, it's prone. not an if anymore. It, it is a win, and I'm not saying he's gonna be out for the year, but he's gonna miss three or four games in a year. So I, I guess that's insurance. But that's it's a high price to pay for a backup quarterback who's all, also not all that good either. Well, having um, moved to California, I know that insurance premiums do fluctuate where you live. So uh, um, that is a that is a pricey insurance uh, um, premium there. And um, cool I think guy that, lives uh, in California. I think that yeah, but it's expensive. Um, you skateboard too? Uh, <laughs> I do not. My dad never let me. Um, but Tannehill to Tennessee. Um, they got a, a bit of a quarterback situation there. Uh, the LA Rams don't necessarily have a quarterback situation, but uh, they love, did buy a little. The move there. Did buy a little insurance, picking up free agent quarterback Blake Bortles, uh, formerly of Jacksonville Jaguars fame. Uh, Bortles just nosedived from an AFC Championship game to pretty yeah, much for me now, your, and uh, he will back up. Race. Right? I mean, <laughs> he will back up uh, Jared Goff in LA. That's a, I, I love that move for them. I, I don't think Blake Bortles is yeah. great, but I also think he's a lot better than what we saw last year. I don't think he's I think he's somewhere in the middle of what we've seen the last two years, which is still a pretty decent NFL starting quarterback, which is from what you know from what we've seen over the last few from everybody. Um, so I think that's a pretty solid move for the Rams. A nice backup, especially for Sean Mannion being their their most recent backup quarterback. I don't think they felt all that confident of Jared Goffer to go down. And I, quite honestly, I think you saw over the last few weeks, maybe month of the season, that Jared Goff might not actually be that superstar they need. They you know they hope need him to be. So getting that insurance policy in a guy who's played an AFC title game, who's won some playoff games, is uh, not a bad route to go for Sean McVay. Yeah, I really think that um, Bortles can carve out a nice little career here as a career backup for maybe the next eight to ten years yeah. um if if in those moments that he is called to he can keep the thing on the rails which and, is a huge if and hey he just uh, gets to go Portland. stand and hold a clipboard in la for like two years so that's pretty sweet and, and then the move that fell from that uh the, the dolphins in turn needed a quarterback fitz so they magic. Went out and got themselves some fitz magic and i don't know if Fins you saw on magic. twitter but uh you, yeah, yeah we, you had a fitz we, with the ph a we get it with the ph it's magic yeah that's, that's good you're, stuff sure there. you're the first person who thought of that um but as a uh, as a closet uh um, dolphins fan i am uh, very excited for this because it, it's pretty much public knowledge that they're in love with tua they're essentially tanking for tua let's go and there's there's nothing to lose Tua versus Tom, I can't wait. Fitz is going to go out there and throw 50 touchdowns and 50 interceptions this year because he is just going to let it rip, and uh, it's going to be some fun watching down in South Beach. It's going to be a wild ride, and that's that's what the Miami Dolphins should be. They're South Beach. They should be wild. They shouldn't be boring. They should be, like you said, either throwing 50 touchdowns or throwing 50 interceptions and really no in-between. That's what the Dolphins uh, are. It's good stuff, and I think that – you know, as things have slowed down, we can kind of look back at this year's free agency and the trades that occurred. Um, bravo to the NFL offseason for uh, 
for stepping up. You know, it, it's been a really interesting in terms of player personnel. Uh, it's been a really interesting off season and uh, excited to get this thing started up. But it didn't. It felt like a little taste of NFL that we needed in, in the I middle need, of the doldrums of the layoff. I need that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a big man here and admit where I was wrong. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. After week one of the AAF, I have not tuned in a single time. I kind of no forgot that it was going on. But Johnny Football in the AAF, another, another little still, note there. Still probably might not going to tune in. Might have, might have to check out a quarter. Um, apparently, one, uh, apparently the Orlando Apollos website is doing a Steve Spurrier cam, though. So throughout the games, they just have a camera on Steve Spurrier. So I would actually might be more likely to watch that than the actual game itself. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. So, yeah. Ball coach cam. Are they calling it the ball coach cam? I would gotta really be, hope so. It's got to be called the ball coach cam. I'm just excited for the part. You know, spend, it's, at some point in the season, he's just going to start carrying around like a seven iron with him and just start taking <laughs> kind of swings on the Dry side. Swings. I mean, it, it, in timeouts, whatever. Like if they're if they're on defense and you know some team has a timeout, his defense coordinator's talking. Doc I says I got to keep my back loose. You know, he'll he'll jump out to you know the hash mark so he's not near anybody and just kind of start you know working on that takeaway with the seven iron and you know, the follow through all that. I, I <laughs> seems to make sense for Steve Spurrier. Plus, he doesn't walk all that great anymore, so he probably wouldn't hurt him to have a little bit not not exactly a cane, but just kind of something there to ease the pressure off those knees when he's walking. I like it. There you go. I like I should, a lot. Yeah, hire me. I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. Uh, you know what else I like is a good Matt's hockey minute. We gotta we gotta touch a little little Blackhawks here. I know the headline of the week was I believe it was a forty eight save shutout for Crow. Yeah, the other that night. was one that I was so I was lucky enough, Joe, to cover that on St. Patrick's Day Saturday at six o'clock. I was. You didn't miss anything. There's there. there's no place I'd rather be on that day of the year than, than sitting in the office watching my Blackhawks and Corey Crawford help pick up the team a, a couple points. Um, I, w- yeah. I won't count that. I won't count that because it was spurred by my by my statement, but uh, your hockey minute begins now. Um, Corey Crawford, uh, you, you did touch on it there to lead me into it. He's after a little bit of a shaky return. The la- I think the last uh, going into last night he was 4-0 and with the goals against under one. In his last four, last night he played pretty well. Unfortunately, the team in front of him didn't. They lost. Um, it was a tough loss at home against a Vancouver team who, I mean, technically is still in the wild card race, but isn't coming off a back-to-back. The Hawks just kind of uh, crapped the bet a little bit, but luckily enough came away with, with a point. Um, they're four points out of the last wild card with a game in hand and against uh, a game still against Arizona, who is ahead in that top spot. Um, so it's not over yet. It's not looking great, and I think last night was a reminder that the Blackhawks aren't, as well as they've been playing at times, they're still not all that great in the team and aren't going anywhere if, if they make the playoffs. But it's not over yet. they still got a chance, still worth watching down the stretch. Patrick Kane needs to pick it up. Boom. In 59 seconds. Yeah. In 59 seconds, Matt gets us up to date on all of our Blackhawks hockey needs. I think I covered uh, everything there. I think I got you it. You did. You did. And uh, – and that's, that's, not a, that's not to take a shot at Kaner, by the way. He's mm-hmm. obviously the only reason they are where they are with that point streak. But since that point streak, he's the production has fallen a little bit. And if they're going to go where they need to, he needs to go back to yeah. being the best player you in the know, world. You set expectations, and yeah. then that's what we expect. Like, I, expect expectations I expect 20-game <laughs> 20 point streaks. Every time one ends, I expect one to start again. There you go. There you go, Matter. Well, uh, let's jump into some other stuff here. Uh, before you, we get to buy ourselves. You had a grievance, yeah, yeah. right? You're, yeah, you're upset about something. I need to. I need to grieve a bit. Okay. Here. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No, 
You're gonna hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, Matt, it was kind of a, uh, a a meeting of worlds the other night. The Bulls traveled here to Sacramento to take on uh, the Kings. Uh, the Kings, I believe, won by 20-something points. Yeah. It was not a close game by any means. Uh, down by 27 with 30 seconds left. One Jim Boylan decides to call a timeout to draw up a play. Good idea. Inside of a minute. Never quit. 30 seconds left. Never give up. Yeah, I get the never quit. You know, you want to keep the guys focused. Down 27 at a certain point. I want some professional courtesy. We got deadlines to hit here in the media. Uh, We're trying to get sound on. We're trying to get highlights on. We can't run anything until your game's over. Quit calling timeouts with 27, with, with 30 seconds left. Down by double digits. It just, I don't understand his decision making and i understand i get what you're saying don't quit this and that he's uh, kind of got some guys that was kind of gotten some guys whatever he's kind of gotten some guys to buy into his shtick over the last couple months but please tell me that jim boylan is gone on april 11th um i'm not so certain there um i'm not either and that's why i'm worried i don't think the team because again the people making as- the the people making the decisions never make me feel good when a decision needs to be made. If there's a home run hire to be made, um, I think they would do it. I just don't know what in their own head, in, in, this, in the heads of the people making the decision, Garpax, is considered a home run hire. Um, the, the people I've talked to, obviously I, I've talked to our guy Mark, said it on this podcast, I believe a few other people around the office who, who know the Bulls well, I've kind of asked him, what do you think? they're going to do with their head coaching position. The name I keep hearing is Monty Williams. He's, uh, I believe, an assistant in San Antonio now. I might be wrong. I'm not totally sure on that. But um, he, he's been basically a career top assistant around the league, very player-friendly. That That's the name that people seem to want. I'm not sure if that's a flashy enough home run hire for Garpax to part ways with Jim Boylan and mm-hmm. missing out on you know. A, potential next very good NBA head coach in order to save yourself a million bucks or whatever by not firing the guy. Seems like a very bulls move. Um, and the players, whether we like it or not, seem to be I don't know, I don't want to know if I want to say buying into Jim Boylan's, you know, mindset, but they seem to be gaining some respect for him. Um, after he got ejected against the Clippers, um, he basically stood up for his players. You know, he didn't like the way the Clippers were setting screens, you know, hard screens. He basically went at it with Doc. They both got ejected. Boylan got fined. Zach Levine stood up and, and offered and did pay Jim Boylan's fine for him. So that tells me that you know players like the guy they so have much sticking belief. up for him. So much belief. But again, that's more of like a – that doesn't mean he's a good head coach. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's still, I, I still think he's suited for that – just the, it just that means assist- the house isn't on fire anymore. That, that, exactly. And that, that honestly, it still speaks to me like – He's that assistant that everybody loves. That doesn't necessarily mean they should be a head coach. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we, we've we keep all him as an assistant. Yeah. Maybe I, keep him as an assistant. Hire I, somebody. You know, <laughs> you think that would work from an ego standpoint. Jim Boylan's a little bit too proud to take that, but yeah. um, that that's kind of what Jim Boylan speaks out as to me. And I, I just I'm not terribly certain he's going anywhere unless that home run hire is available. I'm not really sure it's going to be. Well, I think that leads us nicely into some buy or sell. You ready for some buy or sell? I got new music. You got new music? As promised. Well, I guess not new music because we haven't had old music. But you I got, got music I got, music. I got a sounder. Beautiful. 
Um, well, I don't know if, if I need to shut up for you to hit that sounder, but uh, you should. Let's, uh, let's jump into some buy or sell. What do you say? Let's do it. Here comes the money. I like to buy 500 shares of Animotion Incorporated. Animotion is up an eighth after plunging 75 points this morning. Hey, cuz, heard you have a money problem. Sell, sell, sell. They're all selling and buy, buy, buy. I can't believe you put your money in that Centrex. You could have invested in my rollout tie dispenser. You can get a good look at a T-ball by sticking your head up a butcher's ass, but then, no, it's got to be your ball. I declare bankruptcy! Big week in the world of golf, uh, PGA Tour's fifth and unofficial major, the, the Players' Championship, top 50 players in the world all coming out to oh, TPC Sawgrass for a spectacle, and it did not disappoint. Once again, you had young, you had old, you had big names, you had little known names. Uh, the leaderboard was full, but uh, we have a, a couple questions regarding the play of, of, of a couple of the bigger names. Matt, why don't you lead us off here? Well, I'm, I'm starting out with the winner, uh, Rory. Uh, mm-hmm. well, first, before we get in that, shout out Jim Furyk for being, you know, 48. He was the Ryder Cup captain, not even Unbelievable playing. Golf. He's just going out shooting a casual 15 under for the weekend at one of the more difficult courses in the world. Good for him. Um, but Rory was the story. See what he did there? It rhymed. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out me. Um, <laughs> he's playing. He's been playing really well leading up to this tournament. Obviously, it all came together for him this weekend. He's got one major left, Joe, on that career grand slam list that is at augusta he was so close uh, a couple times that one year especially he had the lead by a couple shots going in kind of crumbled um buy or sell this is the year for rory he completes that uh, career grand slam gets himself a a nice green jacket in april um i want to buy this so bad because he's got to be probably he's at least got the most favorite right now right He's playing the most consistent golf of anyone on tour. I think Vegas, uh, I haven't seen the odds move, but prior to last week, they still had for some reason Tiger because they just want to well, get people on a poor value bet. That's probably where yeah. the bets are going. Yeah, They had Tiger and I believe DJ was uh, was the other favorite going into uh, the Masters at this point. But Rory's got to be right up there right now. Mm-hmm. When you look at the golf that he's played and how consistently he has been playing, I believe – his last four finishes have all been top tens. He's already got seven top ten finishes this year. Um, he he's got a win now. Um, he, just an absolute fantastic. Or no, he doesn't have seven top ten finishes. I'm looking at last season. Come on, uh, this Joe. Season how many? He's got. Excuse me, but already okay. This season he yeah. has six top ten Jeez. finishes, one shy of last year's number. So that just shows you the way he's trending. Um, my mistake, allowing us to get there. Thank That's you very okay. much. Uh, um, kudos to me. So, um, shout out, but uh, winner of the players. You're a big uh, man for admitting your mistakes. <laughs> winner of the players coming off a second place finish. He's got two second place finishes and a fourth place finish. He, he's playing the best golf of anyone on tour. I'm going to buy it just because I want to see it. I want that moment. We've gotten into a point where there is so much parody in golf. It doesn't feel like there are those historic pushes going on. Mm-hmm. I'm not referring to you know Tiger-like success because, again, I'm of the camp that says that will never happen again, no matter who the golfer. Uh, maybe no, 30 I don't years think- from now we do catch another, uh, another phenom 
who's not even born yet or something. But, you know, we had those stretches where Jordan Spieth looked like he was going to rattle off a bunch of wins. We had the Rory stretch where it looked like he was going to rattle off a bunch of major wins. DJ. Um, I think golf, I think DJ, you know, I think golf needs the historic moment this season. And I think uh, a Rory McIlroy career grand slam will be uh, just what the doctor ordered, I guess, in that vein. Uh, so you're buying. Or are you I'm buying. Okay. Yes. Long story short, I'm buying. Um, that was a long story, and you did get there. Though. <laughs> it was a good story, but sometimes good stories have to be long. Um, according to the uh, the website that I use to uh, make wagers occasionally, uh, mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy is your favorite in Augusta right now at plus seven fifty. And don't Got forget, it. folks, that I will be there for the Tuesday practice round. Beautiful. Um, We're very one, much looking one forward o- to that. One other takeaway. Um, mm-hmm. I, fi- I found this out this weekend. If I told you that Tommy Fleetwood had zero PGA Tour victories, would you be surprised? Um, I heard that stat. I wouldn't be floored. Very surprised. I wouldn't because be floored, but I am surprised. Time, right? Yeah, yeah but he's, 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 won over, he's won overseas five times. I just looked it up. Two additional victories, which I don't I guess are like preseason tournaments, whatever. But yeah, he has zero PGA Tour victories, which is very surprising. Yeah, he's a, he's a top ten machine, and I think um, – it draws comparison to Henrik Stenson a couple years ago where yeah. he just couldn't get into the winner's circle, but every weekend he was right on there. that final – he was on that last page of the leaderboard. He was okay. at the top. He was He'll two strokes him. off. I think the way that Tommy Fleetwood does things is very similar to that of Henrik Stenson. They're kind of low-profile players. Um, there's a little fire there, but it takes a lot to let that fire out. Um, you'll see them get a little hot under the collar every once in a while, but their even keel is both their biggest asset. And I think at sometimes they're, you know, one of their detriments because when it comes down to those final moments, uh, like, like this past week of the players on 15, Rory hits that putt. You saw a big fist pump. He was, he was recognizing the moment and he knew yeah. what he had to do there. Um, maybe you see a little bit more of that out of Tommy Fleetwood and he starts getting closer to that um, that winning position. You mentioned hot under, the, hot, under, hot under the collar there, and that's something that I, yeah, I forgot I wanted to bring up, but I'm glad he said that. John mm-hmm. Rahm, do, do you think he has what it takes to win a big tournament? Because we've seen his name up there a bunch, and every time we see his name under there, it's not this you know amazing flame out where he does something epic. He just always plays bad that Sunday. Yeah, he's he's he on the other he's on the he other end of that spectrum. Fades away. He's on the other end of that spectrum because I think he's one of those guys that's too aware of the moment. I think yeah. that he gets into those Sunday rounds either with the lead or one back of the lead, and his emotions run high when things don't go right in the first four holes. Um, I am squarely positioning myself outside of the John Rom camp. Um, because of those factors, I just, you know, you, you watch a guy play the game and, and sometimes it resonates with you, sometimes it doesn't. Um, John Rahm obviously has all the game in the world to get it done. He's super talented, but between the ears, it's not right That's, right now. He is still young. I think he's, what, 26 years old? Yeah, he's still so a young guy. There's still plenty of time for him mature, to mature into a place where – the skill level is meeting the maturity and and the mental approach. I I do think we see him win some big tournaments. I do think that when it's all said and done, he is a, I don't want to say multi-time, but he is a major champion. Um, He's got, to me, he's he's got got PGA championship written all over. You know, he's got where the moment maybe might not be too massive. And we could really dig into it because you and I both love the game, but I don't think he has a very sustainable swing. 
Um, what he's doing to, in terms of timing and technique, the way he lays that thing off and reaches it up in the air, I think that maybe sometimes on Sunday, and, and Paul Azinger made this point during the broadcast at some point this week, the guys with smooth swings and even transitions are the guys that usually win. Mm-hmm. Because what's going to happen on Sunday when you're in the thick of it is that transition is going to speed up and then things get out of sync. I think John Rahm's swing is is super intricate and can get out of sync really easily. Uh, that's I think that's a pretty fair point. Um, Another fun tidbit on John Rahm. This is completely off topic, but I mm-hmm. found it relevant because we were talking about him. Uh, I was I was texting with my brother while the players was going on on Sunday, and he he point he texted me he's like, Hannah just my two year old niece Hannah just pointed mm-hmm. at the TV at John Rahm and said, "Look, it's Uncle Matt." So uh, do I look like John Rahm? <laughs> I can see from a silhouette standpoint. Like, I, okay, that's fair. I I think that's a compliment. athletic with a little shake to it. You know, I think, I think my that, lovely uh, I think my lovely niece was giving me a compliment. The false the fact that she thinks I'm good enough, you know, to be on the TV. That's pretty cool. It might have been the ball striking. She recognized the yeah. ball striking. She's, She's like definitely, Uncle Matt. yeah, that's got to be Uncle Matt. Yeah. Look how far <laughs> that ball went. Um, Matt, it's no... Or it, look it, at that no, collapse. <laughs> there's, uh, there's no hiding it, Matt. We are a golf pod. We know this. The listeners know this. Can I just say um, one more thing before I move off the players, Joe? Wait, ooh, I got a question. Quick. I got a question for okay. you on the players. Okay, fair enough. Go ahead. Matt, Excellent. buy or sell. Ooh. Jordan Spieth wins a tournament this year. He is in shambles. Looks like mentally, physically, nothing's going right in his game. Can't make a putt. Isn't striking the ball well. We saw it at the players. We've seen it earlier before in the season. By ourselves, Spieth wins a tournament this year. Jordan Spieth is another one of those. Obviously, he, you touched on, he had that little run where he looked like he was going to be the next guy. Um, mm-hmm. He has it in between the ears, obviously, to win the big one. But he also has his moments where he definitely gets a little bit too emotional, lets that lets himself get too far into his head. I think that might be what you see and what you're seeing now at the beginning of this year. I'm still going to say he wins a tournament um, at some point this year. His talent is his talent level is so incredibly good. It's up there with obviously the best in the game today. Um, I think he probably even if he's having a bad year a down season, those guys tend to still find a way to put it together. Yeah, this will be a week where it clicks. It might not be a major. It might not even be a big tournament. But yeah, maybe at the Valspar, he puts it together or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm going to buy this week. That. I believe. Okay, the Valspar. I didn't necessarily mean this weekend, but um, I, I think he figures out a way to get one at some point. Yeah. Gotcha. He's too. Um, he's too talented not to. What was the point that you were uh, dying to oh, make I, about no, players before we move on from golf here? It, the Obviously, 17 at, at Sawgrass is the most intimidating tee shot probably in all of golf. Uh, one that isn't far behind it is on the very next hole, 18, with all that water to the left. Rory taking the driver out, needing to just par 18 and just piping one 315 down the middle. I'm not even a huge Rory fan. That was one of the coolest golf moments. Like That's just that was the ultimate flex. It was so badass. and That, like, that was the ultimate. Like, Rory has the head more than just about anybody to, to go get done what he needs to get done. And that was coming from a golfer in, my, in myself who absolutely gets inside of his own head and never would have hit mm-hmm. that ball straight. That was so incredibly impressive and arguably one of the more impressive things he did over the weekend with all he did well. That was so cool to me. It's so badass. See, but here's here's the difference and here's the reason. Rory McElroy is possibly the best, and I'm not talking about the furthest. I mean, he's up there, but He's the best driver of the golf ball in the world. 
he is the most consistent driver of the golf ball in the world, especially these last few weeks. Um, you're watching these pro tracers. He's hitting literally one foot fades. He's hitting the ball 360 yards with a one foot fade. He is so consistent and so confident with that club that when you're standing on 18, what you want to do is take that when you have the lead, you want to take the club out that you are most confident with. And I think that for Rory McIlroy, unlike most golfers, especially that's amateurs, the, one he's the, driver, with. the driver is that most confident club. And they, that, and that's totally fair. And then more power to him because he's probably the only person in the world who would tell you, yeah, my driver is the club I'm most <laughs> he's confident He's my most confident with. club. Like that's just, that, that, that makes it even that much more impressive. And even if it is like that's your best club, that's the one you're still hitting more consistently. You know, mm-hmm. golf is such a small, you know, t- every – something can go wrong with the smallest hitch in your swing, whatever the margin for error is so much smaller with that driver than it is, you know, if you miss something with a four iron or a five iron, mm-hmm. you're still, you know, in the rough, whatever it was, it was impressive to me. And I thought that was just very cool. Yes. Is it my turn to ask you something? Um, I believe it is. This is an extended oh, buyer. So um, Ichiro, Joe, I want to, I want to ask you a question about Ichiro. Did you buy. see his throw? You saw his throw. Of course you're going to buy him. He's 45. He's still yes, making throws like throw he did from right Tokyo. Field. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the better look, uh, better thing for me was the look on Ryan Healy's face when the ball got there. He was like, what the hell? <laughs> Hit him in how, the did, how did you do that? But uh, uh-huh. Ichiro wants to play till he's 50. He's 45. Um, buy or sell, Ichiro makes it to 50 years old playing. Uh, I'm going to say a major league roster because minors don't really count. I'm going to sell. Um, has he come out and said that it's his goal to yes, do it? that's his goal. Okay. Well, five years is a long it's more time. More or less, someone's going to take him for that. I long. think someone will always have him on the roster, especially with the arm talent that he has and the way he's doing things. I'm just selling because the lock can happen in five years. That's uh, that's my long uh, that, that's my short answer yeah. to a long question. I guess anything um, can happen, injury wise. Yeah. But I, um, I still think I if think he's he still doing it. I, I guess I don't see why not. I yeah. think he finds a way, man. Uh, the, the, like baseball, I don't know if you read that big feature ESPN did did about him. His like mm-hmm. outside family life, personal life seems fairly depressing, and he mm-hmm. pretty much has not much else going on for him other than baseball. Like baseball's his whole life, so I think if he wants to, if someone's going to have him, he's going to get there. But we'll see. Well, you had to take it there, Matt. You had to take it to a dark place. Oh, I did. Yeah, you know that's me. <laughs> uh, one last buy or sell here for you, Matt. Um, I have I have it written down here, but it doesn't make a ton of sense. Sure, I, those are the best. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the news broke like. Right, I believe it was right after our podcast last week. Uh, the addition of Odell Beckham through a trade, through uh, or excuse me, through a trade to the Cleveland Browns. You're now looking at an offense uh, lined by Baker Mayfield at quarterback, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham on the outside. Uh, Injoku, who's a fantastic Definitely tight end, emerging. who's emerged last season. Uh, Nick Chubb in the backfield to be supplemented by Kareem Hunt come week nine with fresh legs. Matt, buy or sell eight and a half wins. Buy or sell over under. Over under eight and a half wins for the Browns next season. I will. You know that gif with I think it's the Simpsons where it's the guy with the stack of bills and says, "Shut up and take my money." Uh-huh. That's that's how I feel about that's this. You? I would I would buy this to the moon and back. They're the they're the AFC North favorites. Uh, the Ravens took positive steps forward. The Bengals are going to stink. The Steelers I think will take a step back. They'll always be you know a decent team but i think they're gonna take a step back they didn't make the playoffs and they got worse um yeah i'm gonna buy that i, I think they run i think they win that division i think they're a you know 10 and 6 11 5 type team um yeah i, I think i'm 
I'm, I'm right around that nine win mark right now. Looking at them, it, it is still the Browns. It is still a new head coach. It is still a lot of young talent. There's going to be growing pains. Um, defense has some firepower as well. I know we, we're focusing on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, the, the roster is there. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it really, I think, a large part of it is contingent on what Baker Mayfield does in year two. Because sometimes you see guys take a step back or hold pat. I think Baker Mayfield is the type of guy who's working his butt off and has been since the season ended to make sure that he's taken a step forward. So I'm just over that eight and a half mark. I think they're a nine win team. Um, What's it called? I was listening to, uh, I think it was right around the Odell trade, whatever. uh, One of the ESPN shows, radio ESPN 1000 shows had, uh, I think it was the Browns insider or whatever, the Browns NFL nation reporter for ESPN. And they were talking about, you know, the, the comparison between the Browns and the Bears. A lot of people think, you know, see some similarities there that the Browns could take a similar, you know, Bears-type jump this year if things fall, if things fall their way. Um, you know, big offseason, big trade and all that. And the, this guy said, you know, they have a better quarterback who, you know, if, if you want to tell me Baker's better than Mitch Trubisky, I would probably disagree with you at this point. But the numbers are pretty similar. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I think they're pretty accurate comparisons. But then this guy, again, I forgot his name, goes on to tell me how they also have the better head coach. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, come on. Like, I, Freddie Kitchens won a couple games as an interim last year. Like, he's never been yeah, a head coach. He might be a very good head coach. I like the hire. I, I think the team likes him. I think they bought into what he was saying. That said, you're talking about a guy who took a 5-11 and team, made a few pickups, you know, but n- not that drastically different of a roster, and flipped it into a 12-4 and division champion and won, you know, one of the best teams in the conference. Like, one coach of the year. You're literally saying the NFL coach of the year isn't as good of a first-year head coach Freddie Kitchens. Like, come on, man. Maybe down the yeah. road somewhere you can make that argument. That, that's just a stupid thing to say, though. Sorry. Sometimes, that, maybe uh, that's a grievance. I don't know. Sometimes the shock jocks just want to move the needle, and here we are talking about it. So, yeah. Um, Matt, that's uh, that's that's all we got, I think, here. I had, no, I had one more you. I had you one got one more? I had a buy or sell for you. Um there was I, I, this didn't even gain that much traction, which might be able to tell you the credibility of it. But there was a uh, there was a gambling insider on NBC Sports uh, Sirius Radio over the weekend who made the proclamation that you know he has a tip that Bill Self is leaving Kansas after this season and will be the next Chicago Bulls head coach. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, buy or sell because you're you're not a Boylan guy. Buy or sell Bill Self as the Bulls' next head coach. Like buy or sell it in the sense of would you would you like would it? Will it happen? Um, I'd like it if they could get it on a short term contract. I'd like it if it could be kind of a trial run. Just the and no no disrespect to Bill Self or any other fantastic um, college basketball coaches. It it often does it's a coin flip. It doesn't make the transition to the to the next level very well um mm-hmm. i don't know what the difference is i don't know I, I do know what the difference is it's you know it's a completely different dynamic with guys making millions of dollars and um you're dealing with student athletes at the other level but i just i'm wary of a college basketball coach especially a one of such grand stature with, with, with such a um, historic collegiate career coming to the NBA and thinking things are going to work the same way they did in the college ranks. Yeah, it might be like a uh, the guys I've done that are successful, forever, been successful yeah, the, I'm not changing type. No, the guys that are successful in making the step to the next level are the guys that are willing to change, the guys that are willing to adapt to 
the professional mm-hmm. game. And I mean, I, I'd be interested to see it just because the Bulls, the Bulls need something. They need some sort of shot in the arm. Um, is a big name coach the answer? I don't think so. But um, if, if Bill Self's going to be coming on board rather than Jim Boylan, I'm with it. I'll buy. I think the one, I don't think it's going to happen by any means. The one reason I'm semi, you know, my ears are a little bit perked up is, you know, We've seen this, the, the FBI investigation, you know, coaches getting investigated, teams getting, you know, Louisville obviously, Patino got fired. You know the company, Joe, that's the, the, the merchandise company that's involved with all these schools that's under investigation? It's Adidas. The, Do you know oh, who sponsors is. Kansas, who, who gives them all their, Adidas. who has their uniforms? It's Adidas. Yeah. Uh, Kansas has been a name that's kind of been, you know, lying in the weeds with the, these investigations. It wouldn't shock me if Bill Self was, you know, this might be the time to just, you know, it's been a great run here. Stuff might happen soon. Let's leave a year too early than a year too late, but we'll see. Put you over there connecting dots, man. I know. It's like, you know, I'm a thinker. I'm a thinker. <laughs> and with that, Moose and Runes listeners, we bid you adieu on episode 97 of the Moose and Runes Get us podcast. your mailbag questions, closer. Please. To the century mark, as we said, send us those questions. Uh, we already got a good handful of them from some of the some of the tried and true Moose and Runes listeners. We, we appreciate we you guys. Whether you come whether you come to the pod once or, or you come every week, we appreciate you guys for sitting in and tuning in and listening. We, and hopefully, um, you enjoyed it again this week. Should, what should, we, should we tease the the little bonus pod we got coming up in, in a couple months? Oh yeah, a month and yeah a we got, bonus got a little bonus pod. pod. It won't be a, a full episode, episode. but um, a bonus I, pod. I've been lucky enough, and I know in the past, you know, you lucky, Matt comes out here sure to the West Coast. Lucky. Matt comes out here to the West Coast, and uh, he, um, you know, puts together big golf weekends with the whole Rooney family. Yeah. And uh, poor kid never gets a call. I got the call this year, guys. You got the call. So I will you finally. Be joining, you, you bitched and moaned enough. Where we finally. <laughs> I will be joining uh, the Rooney clan for for a couple great days of golf down in uh, down in Palm Springs, Palm Desert. Uh, we're going to have a fantastic time, and we're toying with some ideas right now, but we might just throw a microphone on, on the cart and, and see where see where it takes us. I, so think you throw, get... I think you throw a microphone on, on the cart, and then maybe my brother Mike, just to hear the trash talk that he throws out at people, because yeah. for as good as he is, he has a bunch of one-liners that I will happily admit get in my head every time he says them. So that'll be yeah. a nice little bonus, you know, Mike, you know, some sounds to, to get some jabs in at us in our game. So Moose and News listeners, you can look forward to something along the lines of a Palm Beach pod that's coming up. That'll be on the other side of episode 100. Well, it's, a nice, always, it's a nice little jump down there for you, too. It's only got to be, what, like an hour flight? It is. A little, little, right little puddle jump. I yeah, think an hour right and five minute flight. Nice and cheap. Uh, we'll get down there. We'll play a little golf. We'll be back for work. It's, uh, it's perfect. It's a nice it's long fun. weekend for you. That it is. We hope you guys have a wonderful week and weekend, Moose and Runes listeners. We will hit you next week with episode 98. For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.